This is Good Movie Monday. Hey everyone, hope you're doing well. This week we are bringing back the theme. We're all themed up, Ben. Seeing double, actually. I got my theme on. <laughs> Welcome to the show where the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. You can hear us on all of the uh, podcast platforms with uh, the Newsly app being our preferred method of choice. I'm Glenn Cochran. Ben Hellwig is here. He joins me. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good. Very good. So, yep, you heard me right. It's like 2022 all over again. We're bringing back the themed episode, if only for one week. <laughs> Do you care to tell everybody what we're doing this week? Uh, well, we, d- we didn't have a guest. <laughs> <coughs> what does that mean? So, we decided to theme it. Uh, the, the-, the theme loosely is twins. Yes, that's right. But uh, the twin breasts of Sheba <laughs> as. Uh, I Let's believe John Rhys-Davies uh, says in uh, <laughs> Alan Quatermain. Uh, we're kicking things into Barbarian Brothers mode. That's what we're doing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Doubling down for some twin action. Who doesn't love a bit of twin action? <laughs> this, I don't know if I've said it on the show before. And I, I, I love, I've said it to a few <laughs> people in real life. I say, I've probably said it to you. <laughs> but I love saying and I love. I do it because... I, on what it's, it's one, it's hilarious, and two, it throws my father under the bus. <laughs> but whenever the, the topic of twins comes up, my father always said, twins having sex with each other isn't incest, it's just a really awesome form of masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> you have told me that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's, so <laughs> it's such a good line. Like it's... I mean, it, it, it only works if they're like if they're the identical. If they're the mm. two, the, I think it's the two the like sa- birthmark in the same spot. They're 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 a mirror reflection of yeah, each other. Because there's two there's two different kinds of twins. There's there's the one where it's two eggs and two two sperm, right? And then there's the one where it's one egg and two sperm, mm. and it splits. And what about um, conjoined? Where does that come from? They're just freaky deaky. <laughs> Something, something else is going on there. <laughs> well, our good mates are here for another week as well, of course, with Jarrett Gunn coming up in a moment to discuss physical media and home entertainment releases. Jarrett, of course, like Ben, is gearing up for Monster Fest over at Monster Pictures. That's coming up. I'm going to pick your brain about that in a minute, Ben. Yes. The boys from Kentucky are here with their Bonehead Weekly Fun Size segment. And um, yes, Monster Fest. Let's have a bit of a talk about it. Um, last Friday, the final announcement reveal, what do you call it, was made? The full program. The yep. full program announcement with, and the schedule. Tickets went on sale for individual sessions. Amazing. And, of course, the festival passes. How's it all looking? It's looking pretty good. It's looking pretty good. We open uh, We open things up with When Evil Lurks, which is fucking full on. <laughs> awesome. It's a great set. Argentinian film. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. All about possession and that's what you want. You want full on. You want to shock them into the <coughs> you know yeah. to the core, get things off the that's right. That's right. Start. You want to yeah <laughs> keep it interesting. And then we've there's we've got there's a bunch of great new stuff, but there's also there's some fantastic rep stuff, which is what I'm 
really that's uh, always what like, everyone really loves the really most excited about yeah, like that's we've right. got um a new 4k restoration of ghost dog oh yeah uh which is i don't know if i would say, it's a it's a tough one like when i think about my favorite jim jarbouche movie mm-hmm. it, it, it's up there it's my favorite it's yeah, like I, it's one of those ones where you're like, how long has it been since I've seen Mystery Train or Dead Man? Uh, yeah, that's true. And where does it sit with Ghost Dog? But Ghost Dog is is just such a beautiful film. I saw Ghost Dog theatrically when it came out. I saw it at yeah. um, Kino in Collins Street. And it grabbed me from the moment it starts because it's got that really, really long intro with him driving. Yeah. And it's like, I reckon it's about seven or eight minutes of just him in a car with a really cool sort of hip-hop soundtrack. It's very cool. I just, my favourite part of it, like, I mean... No, there's a lot of favorite parts, but <laughs> I love the part where the two Italian gangsters uh, come to visit him in his, ha- in his so house. Is Victor Argo? The... Is he one of them? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they come, and he lives on like the kind of a rooftop in this yeah. abandoned building, and they're just these old fat like Italian guys. And by the time they get to the top, <laughs> they're both totally fucked. <laughs> That's right. I think that, that is Victor Argo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're just um, exhausted. I often confuse the movie with Brother. There was that um, movie with Omar Epps. That, and Takeshi Mike. Yes, and they're very, very similar in story and theme. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, it just that uh, I, f- I thought, like, I had a lot of trouble with Brother. Yeah. Like, because I, I love Takeshi Mike, and I like the majority of it. Mm. I, Omar Epps, for me, kind of ruined it. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, especially at the end. Mm. I don't know what it was. But um, anyway, back to Monster Fest. <laughs> We've also got we got Blood Moon. Oh yes, Aussie classic Blood Moon. So excited! New 4K for that. restoration mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. We're also playing Jason Goes to Hell because because Monster Fest falls on Friday the Thirteenth this year. Oh, so oh, fucking hell, got to play a Friday the Thirteenth film. So we got uh, Jason Goes to Hell, a final Friday. Very underrated movie that one. Mm. It sort of sticks out like a sore thumb in the <coughs> the franchise. But you go and watch that as sort of a standalone. Yeah. it's really cool. Uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, then we got oh we're we're playing. We've got some great docos this year. We've got um, David Gregory's uh, Enter the Clones of Bruce, the Bruce Bloitation oh, uh, documentary, a, which is great title, fascinating. And if you've ever seen a David Gregory doco before, they they move with a cracking pace and mm. they're fascinating. It's a cool title. Um, we've also and that we're accompanying that with a a, a Bruce Bloitation double feature the next day. So there's a lot of Bruce. Uh, what else we got? Oh, we got. Uh, my favourite, We Kill for Love, which is a, which is a, a doco on uh, erotic thrillers, nineties erotic thrillers, mm. and yeah. it is it is. I can, I've used the word fascinating way too <laughs> way too much already, but it is. You probably fapped off to many of those movies back in the day. I uh, <laughs> I knew a lot of what they were talking about, but there's there's <laughs> there's I didn't realise there's a lot of them where they've reused the same covers and stuff, and it's. You, because you never really see them mm-hmm. together, you're like, oh my god! <laughs> it was but so, yeah. My, like I used to love erotic thrillers because often they were actually they were much better than softcore porn because mm-hmm. they had they had story and the, the actual <laughs> the stuff was actually erotic. Some production value. Whereas the the <laughs> you know especially the softcore stuff was often not none of those things. Mm. And I used to, I used to love it when uh, Blockbuster had this. You know, we're a family video store. We do not stock porn. <laughs> Yet their erotic thriller section <laughs> yeah. rival. It was rivaled by no one. Yeah, they had every volume of Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like Zelman King. Yeah, I think paid the rent at Blockbuster. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. But we got, we also got some, we got some cracker Aussie 
Aussie films, including Closing, Closing Night, The Emu War. Fantastic. Uh, which has to be seen to be believed. Oh. Uh, and I think we're actually going to have some of the props and stuff from the film in the cinema. Oh, mate, I can't Which is going to be fantastic. There's, there'll be a Q&A and stuff with that one. We've also got um, uh, Trim Season, which stars Jane Badler. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, um, I believe we're having a Q&A with that one as well. We've got... Uh, uh, <coughs> Time Addicts, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh <laughs> I'm seeing ads for that pop up everywhere at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just um, it's really smart, a really smart. Like I'm not a big one of for drug movies. Yeah, but this one is it's hilarious, super smart. Yep, and totally fucked up. It's great. Yep. Um, we've also got Head Count, which <laughs> we were joking about uh, the other day. Like you've actually uh, mm-hmm. you've watched it in, in prep for some uh, maybe some upcoming interviews that yep. we're going to be doing. And uh, it's it's made by these two Aussie guys, produced by some Aussies, mm-hmm. but it's shot over in Texas. But it looks like <laughs> it's shot in Australia. It looks like it's shot in Australia, <laughs> but set in Texas. It's it's, yeah. it's a really weird vibe, but it is a. It's kind of got a very Coen Brothers kind of feel to it. Yeah, really nori, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely, it's like a. Yeah, it's a, it's a. It's almost like like Lone Star meets Blood Simple. Yeah, like it's like it's, a '90s noir movie. Yeah, totally. It's um. Yeah, yeah, super interesting. Too. Yeah. Cool, but there's a you know a bunch more stuff. You could you can check out the full program at uh, monsterfest.com.au, or if you've got a good memory, monsterfest.com.au/slash/Australia will get you right to the festival site. Well, get on it, everyone. Uh, get on it, and no doubt we'll be talking it about it as the weeks come. I mean, it's not far away, is it? <laughs> it's, a, it's only a month, month yeah, away. Wow. Um, you also reminded me we should also give a bit of a directive to people to go to goodmoviemonday.com because that's our website and that's yes. where you can find your way to all our social media. We're on most of the platforms, the ones that matter <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, and we do upload video content pretty much every night of the week. So, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we've got video content going up. So it's good stuff, mate. It's good stuff. Including interviews we do on the show. Uh, you and I react to trailers. What else do we do? Uh, Chloe and I have another podcast. It's Video Form. Uh, and then the the segment that you hear on this show with Jarrett, that has a video component as well. So check it out, everyone. Um, My favorite part of that segment is when you watch the video back and you can see like Jarrett's mentioned something and then you can, if you watch me, like I'm just on the computer look, like looking it yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you also swing back in like, oh, I've yeah. just read. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> it's not that you, you, you've lost interest. You're actually, you're deep no, in it. No, I'm actually trying to... Like, oh, I need to order that. Yeah. <laughs> when I, whereas I'm looking directly down the camera, nodding along, well, and I'm like, what did you say? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> we compliment each other, mate. Yeah, it works out well. Uh, before we do bring Jarrett in for his segment this week, should we should we discuss the uh, Murder, She Wrote movie that's coming? Yes, please. <laughs> well, there's not much to discuss other than it's been revealed <clears throat> there is a, a feature film of Murder, She Wrote coming. Uh, a, I don't know if it's a reboot or a remake, whatever you want to call it. It's just... A feature film. I want to know who you would cast as Jessica Fletcher in a potential Hollywood version of Murder She Wrote. Yeah, that's a good question. I've isn't got it? some ideas. Like, <coughs> I was trying to. You can't go too big, and you've got to really get the look right, don't you? Yeah. The demeanor, the personality. Do you go American or do you bring a British in? Because I think that she, Jessica Fletcher, Angela Lansbury, you know, has that British look about her. Yeah, but she's American. I mean, do you go with someone like Julianne Moore? For the movie version, mm, see, I was thinking. I mean, how, what's what's the age? I'm, I'm thinking sixties. Yeah, yeah. So maybe like Patricia Clarkson. Well, she hasn't quite got the look, but I think she could pull off the personality. Yeah, see, I was going to go the other way. I thought she's kind of got the look, but 
Does she have the personality? What about uh, Emma Thompson? Bit too big. Yeah. Bit annoying. <laughs> I mean, I like her better kind of when she's playing like a... Uh, I mean, maybe. Is Helen Mirren too old? No. Because she'd be, what, 80 now? Close to. Yeah, and she's good. She's got the right kind of personality for yeah, it. Yeah, I reckon. Uh, it's a good one. But I actually... What disappoints me is that it is a movie. Yeah, I no, like, that, but that excites me. I just, I just think it, it's. I find that when they when they turn a show like Murder She Wrote into a movie, the crime becomes too big. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it's an episodic TV yeah. show, it's Murder of the Week. Yeah, which is great. Which is so then, you know. But I think, I think the reason they're even talking about this is because of the success of the Agatha Christie. Oh, absolutely, movie. absolutely. I'm waiting for the Miss Marple movies to come flowing. Yeah, that's. I was joking to uh, <laughs> to um, uh, Kate Fitzpatrick that uh, it's my biggest nightmare that they're going to remake uh, <laughs> the, the Margaret Rutherford well, style Agatha Christie. There could be like um, a Christie verse, and they just got like they all come together and. <laughs> well, that what would be amazing is if they did that, but it's all the detectives are at the house and someone gets killed, and it's one of the detectives because <laughs> yeah. they're all smart. Because they're all yeah. <laughs> Is it, how about this is a curve, but what about Renee Russo? Haven't seen her for a while. Reckon she's got what it takes. I do. Yeah, she's a bit. I mean, the, be different. Th- that is the problem with with most of them now is that one they've all had yeah work, work done work done and they're true. So they, they don't look they don't look real, <laughs> but they're also all too good looking. Like the good thing about Angela Lansbury was. Mm. Was it? She looked like a real person. She was a plain Jane, like you know, like I mean, she was a stunner back in the day, but she wasn't a classic beauty, like you know. No, I mean? she yeah. was. She was. You know, what are they? Call, you know, not really ugly. She was TV ugly, <laughs> or you know, yeah, yeah. Well, then the, the uh, if that's the case, the what beautiful about people of film versus the rat faced people of television. What's the name of the woman that was in Harry Potter? Um, Milda Staunton. She's not classically beautiful. She's got a very Jessica Fletchery kind of. Yeah, but she, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I just thought that'd be a fun There's, conversation. I mean, there is that there is that whole run of British, mm. you know, women at, at that kind of age who were making you know movies in the eighties <laughs> with uh, Michael Caine, who would be perfect. Yeah, mm. uh, as anyway. Jessica Fletcher. Watch this space. More conversation to be had on that one, I'm sure. Yeah, like I, I wish I would have had a bit more time to think about it because I would have. I would. I, it's a really interesting one, and yeah. I, but I need to. I don't have the memory anymore. That's okay. I need to, I need to jump in front of IMDb. The and go, seeds have been sown. Yeah, I'll let the grass grow. We can come back and mow it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to be thinking every time I watch a movie now. Like, yeah, I know. Would she make a like, good Jessica Fletcher? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I went looking because when I heard about this, I got. I put myself in a mood. Like, I want to watch Murder She Wrote, and I want to watch Columbo. I want to go back and you know do it all, and then. It's not available on streaming other than like three seasons here or three seasons there. I want to tackle all of it. But this is the beauty of those shows is that they are so episodic that you do you can just jump oh, in at I any point. I know that. I know that. But I kind of I'm like it's weird the way I go with TV. Like I kind of got to do it in you order. Want at the beginning, but often it's like Seinfeld. Yeah. Like it doesn't really find its form until about season three. Well, I know this because I I watched every single episode back in the day. Yeah. yeah but I kind of just I want. I don't want to go to a platform and watch some episodes knowing there's only three seasons. Like maybe I need well, to get get onto the Vivian Vision guys and get myself a box set. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like about um, what is it, Ten Peach or whatever the hell it is now? Yeah, is yeah. Like I, I find myself I watch a lot of Jag. Yeah. And I watch a lot, and I was watching Murder She Wrote when it was on TV because I prefer 
I don't really want to put the DVD in. Yeah. I don't want to sit down and watch, go to the effort of watching Murder, She Wrote. I just want to turn on TV and go, oh, Murder, She Wrote's on. Yes. And just thoroughly enjoy it, like, you know, at dinner time, mm-hmm. which is how I used to watch Murder, She Wrote. And just about every, every TV show that I fondly remember from my childhood, for the most part, played from three o'clock <laughs> to six o'clock. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because that would be... I got home from school, would watch TV until dinner, mm-hmm. and then, you know. Mm-hmm. Man, have they ever done like twins detectives or anything like that? Twin detectives? There were twins in like Tintin. And there was the Sweet Valley High girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they, they were really solving crimes. Uh, we're just trying to bring just it high on school to drama. Trying to bring it on to theme here. We'll, um, we'll. Tackle some twin movies in a moment. Let's let's yeah. talk to Jarrett first because we've done that thing where the intro is really long, and um, you know we've talked about television <laughs> <laughs> and movies. A little bit of movies. All right, time to check in with Jarrett. Let's do that. All right, boys. I've got no creative, fancy, clever, or interesting way to bring Jarrett into this, so I'm just going to hand it over. All right. Well, I guess I'll fill the void by letting <laughs> you know what's coming out on Home Entertainment this week. And I mean, there's plenty of stuff, so we'll be able to fill all the dead air. The only person who puts less effort into this segment than (laughs) me is Glenn. (laughs) (laughs) Which just as well that I'm bringing the uh, goods. So, Cross of Iron, gentlemen, we know that two weeks ago we had the Studio Canal release drop, and I've seen a lot of talk now on the internet, particularly on Facebook, about people puzzled that there's two releases of the movie. Well... The imprint release from ViaVision drops this week, and it's definitely worth the wait for the collectors that have held out. It's got the higher ticketed price, but it does have the additional Blu-ray, and it has an abundance of special feature content. There's not only that 35mm grindhouse uh, print that I told you is on there, there's two additional interviews, there's five featurettes. These are all exclusive content. There's an audio commentary with a film scholar who's an expert on Sam Peckinpah. But this is the most valuable edition, and this is the one that ViaVision and Imprint have undersold and, in fact, haven't really formally announced. They've added it to the specs, but it actually contains 12 minutes of never-seen-before deleted scenes. So this is the first time that they've either been publicly made available, they're only recently discovered, and this is the only physical release in the world with these 12 minutes of deleted scenes, which is pretty extraordinary for a film of its vintage and for a real coup for Imprint to be able to include them. So it's a shame that... They haven't been able to market that. I think they were so close to the release that, you know, they just didn't put it out there. But I, if I were them, I'd be jumping on the social media and really pushing that because that's a massive thing. No doubt some bastard out there will rip them and put them on YouTube at some point because that's just the nature of these things. But regardless, it's a solid release. has all the content the Studio Canal release has, which is quite, quite extensive, plus all of the aforementioned content as well. So if you have held out, this is the definitive I've, um, release, and I've I've got I've got a copy coming to me, and I've been dying to revisit the movie because I love it. But now I'm torn about which version I should watch first. No, you got to watch the you just got to watch the 4K presentation for sure. Like I mean, look, the Grindhouse one's fun, but you want to see that film fully restored and revisit True. in the perfect quality the first time around. And then, True. you know, I think the Grindhouse one would suit one of your late night viewing sort of parties you have at your joint, mate, where you're <laughs> up at 2am and looking for something to put on and that would just really fit the mood. Well, that's, that's how I'm going to watch time it night. for the first time. <laughs> oh, baby, there you go. <laughs> and how's the volume on that? Is Mel all right with you having the, the sound up? And yeah, Excellent. She's asleep for a freight train, mate. 
Right. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to check it out, especially with that Dolby Vision as well. So it should look pretty spectacular. Now, this another is, release that's come... Sorry, sorry, before you move on, Joe, this is going to be really interesting. And it's going to be interesting to see if collectors put their money where their mouths are, because obviously this this version is far superior to the, to the you know, mediocre, shall we say, Studio Canal release. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, in the numbers, who who you know which one outsells which one does the best i i'm really curious I, i'm not sure what the pressing amount for this is i think it might be around the 1500 units so i mean it's not not massive and that's obviously yeah. going to cover domestic sales as well as international sales as well but yeah i think you're right i think there's going to be a lot of people that'll that'll cry poor and say oh i'm just going to have to get this edition because that other one's overpriced and they don't appreciate the amount of work money that's gone in to make this a really definitive release. I mean, I, I see that all the time, just regardless of the label, that people yeah. immediately go, $50 for this, but they're the same people that are going, why can't we get releases as good as those in the <laughs> States? And the fact is, the US releases often cost more anyway on import and are significantly less. Recently, all the Screen Factory repackages of Blu-rays they've released in the past that have, you know, 4K transfers, they might've been existing 4K masters they've had, they're releasing 4K editions with no extra, you know, content that wasn't on the Blu-ray. It's just an uptick in video quality. They're not doing new full, like Atmos soundtracks or DTS. They're just, it's a pretty bare bones offering comparatively with what the Blu-ray was. And they are selling these things for like 50 to $60, you know, Australian on import. And I'm, I can't justify some of them. I'm like, look, the Blu-ray looks plenty fine. I don't know if I need Motel Hell in 4K. Let's face it, I do need Motel Hell in 4K. <laughs> but there is a lot of them and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm at odds and I'm hoping some of them may go on sale around Halloween in the States. So, you know, I can, I can stock up on a few more. But yeah, I think you're right. It'll be interesting to see how those sales stack against one another. But on that point, Sam Peckinpah, there is another release coming out from Imprint this week and it's the one that's not really getting spoken about enough and I mean it is again a pretty comprehensive edition with tons of content including a feature length doco that's exclusive to this release and it's Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia and it's a two disc Blu-ray set loaded with special features. I won't go into all of them but there's plenty on there and it's and it's an affordable price point too because it's just a two disc Blu-ray probably set you back between 60 to 70 dollars that's and it's easily, another nice easily hard, my um easily my favorite of his films oh it's such a great well yeah mine's probably the that's wild bunch cool. i'd say i'd like to say straw dogs that's a but cool. honestly it's, it's a, a very hard a, film a to preference. watch it's a personal preference absolutely and i mean he's, it he's is, got a tremendous catalog of films but the wild bunch for me i reckon and i'm yeah. i was really hoping that warner might do you know they're doing the 100 years of warner might do a 4k of it this year given that they've done 4ks for fucking everything else including which i love vacation but i mean wild bunch not having a 4k is just yeah just blows my mind hopefully hopefully it's in the works but also coming out from viavision not part of the imprint line is dr strange love and that's coming out on 4k ultra hd it is just the 4k ultra hd no blu-ray component which means it's a direct port of the sony release from the states so you'll get all the content that's on the 4k but you won't get the bonus blu-ray which does have a ton of other documentary uh, featurettes and whatnot but it's still a pretty solid release and can be had at a decent price of around 30 odd dollars so it's good but there is actually there is one more imprint release i failed to mention they're doing another one of those filmmaker fo uh, focus box sets 
And this one's George Peppard, and they're doing four films within that box set. And that contains PJ, Pendulum, The Executioner, and Newman's Law. So I'm not really, I, I don't know George Peppard really well myself in terms of cinema. So I'm kind of curious to check that one out. It's an uh, odd, he's an odd actor to build a, a box set around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most well known for the A team. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, Breakfast at Tiffany's, but he's always, he's never, yeah. he's not Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> no, so no. It, it's, it's yeah, and really when you awful. when you look at the, the the recent ones, you know, we had Jessica Lang and we had uh, Jessica Con Jennifer uh, Connolly, and we had Gene Hackman. So it does seem sort of like a bit of a odd duck out of more obscure box set. But that said, if they're going to do obscure box sets, let's bring on you know uh, a film focus on Dick Miller. I would like to see some of his collective work boxed in multiple volumes I was gonna say, <laughs> even if he's only in it for a minute or two <laughs> it'd be like a you know like the like the, the complete series of the bill box set yeah or, yeah absolutely you know, ben, or ben, the prisoner one in the in yeah, the suitcase we should just get umbrella onto it get ben onto it and just call it dick in a box oh, i love dick in a box perfect there yeah. you go I love it. I can see the marketing campaign now. Just contact yeah. the Lonely Island and you're set. <laughs> no, that sounds that sounds terrific. Now, the only other distributor I'll mention that's releasing releases this week is Umbrella Entertainment. And, you know, again, another extraordinary Australian boutique label. And they've got, they've actually got a 4K coming out this week of Peter Weir's The Last Wave. Now, this did have a Blu-ray release not all that long ago, maybe two there or three is. years ago. Oh, look, Ben's got it right there. there. I'm super excited to check out check out this release it looks amazing like that's obviously the collector's edition there's the standard that'll go into jb which i think just has the slip the blu-ray and 4k it does actually come with the blu-ray because i think the bulk of the special feature content all the existing stuff is on the blu-ray itself and hopefully there's no issues with uh region uh, errors that i believe that razorback had but umbrella were fast to fix that and they've already started sending out the replacement discs they address awesome. the problem and they're solving it whereas again screen factory in the states didn't even want to admit the brotherhood of the wolf and the people under the stairs had issues with their region free 4ks being locked to region a and then refused to uh supply replacement copies to international customers so yeah Hats off to Umbrella for, for solving that. But yeah, that one's out this week. They've also got Hercules Returns making its Blu-ray debut or HD debut. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a pretty good release. I mean, um, it was a bit light on in the special features, which is a shame because I know that it had been a bit of a pet project for, uh, what was it? What was the name of the Glass Doll films back in the day? And I thought they'd yeah. actually produced a bunch of content, but it turns out I think that was only ever in the planning was, stages. Yeah, he was working on it, but... Um... yeah. I'm not too. They uh, not probably too wanted the, to um, race it out to stores in time. On the cover art for that one. Yeah, I wasn't too sold on that on that art myself either. I get upset yeah. that it's not. It, they didn't actually give it to me. They're supposed to, but it didn't come in my uh, in my uh, mail from in your goodie bag. I have, yeah. to, I have to send them send them on an email. You know what I'd like S to see? Send, send them a curt email and you go, I need that Hercules return. Well, I'd love to see that. Hercules. Send it in an Uber. I'd love to see Hercules return, like you know. 2.0 or something where it's the same film but with new dubbing oh that'd be a pretty cool idea yeah absolutely yeah. i've got some people you could potentially put in there like you could have like a sean McAuliffe and you know tony martin and that i think it'd be pretty pretty damn funny so yeah that one's out this week and then the last one from umbrella i'll mention is the pusher trilogy the nicholas whining reffin 
Pusher Trilogy makes its uh, Blu-ray debut locally. The first film had been released through Accent on Blu-ray in the past, but it was just an awful 1080i upscale of the standard def. It looked atrocious, but now Umbrella's done the proper treatment for all three films, and that's coming out, and it's got a nice slipcase to it as well. And that's one I've never actually seen, Pusher 2 or 3. I've only ever seen the first film, so I would like to actually watch all three. Totally. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's that's all the releases for this week seen, I'll mention. I've never seen them either, but I did I had to do some some stuff for for the the pusher release. And uh, I realized that it's the guy from 2012 and uh, Triangle of Sadness who I always wondered like where did this guy come from? Like the big fat um he's the millionaire character in 2012 and uh He's also the kind of the big fat millionaire character in Triangle of Sadness. He's, 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 he's of... the toilet, the toilet man, the um, the not toilet um, compost, think, the shit guy you... from yes. Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah that guy. Yeah. I always wondered, like, I was like, how did, like, where did they find this guy? How does that guy get a, <laughs> you know, how does that guy get these parts? And it's because he's in the Pusher trilogy. <laughs> I, I'm I'm curious to check out the extra feature content because um. I just find that Nicholas Winding Refn is like the most amazing thing to watch on screen because it's equal parts <laughs> pretentious, yeah, <laughs> disdain for it, but at the same time, just hilarious. Like he did, he appeared in a documentary recently, which just played Tiff on Dario Argento called Panico. Um, great doco. And he's such a great interview in it because like he, he, everything he says is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but the way it's delivered is so pompous yeah. and pretentious. And I just love it. Yeah. Dude, I, you and I watched the documentary about him at your place. Oh, the, yes. The behind the scenes of Only God Forgives or something like that. Yeah, yeah, And we yeah. couldn't believe what we were watching. It was like, who is it this? It was just like, and who puts that out? It's just <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like a crisis, crisis of conscience being, you know, broadcast wide. It's like, yeah. you know, your, your worst moments documented. And yeah, and if anything, it did nothing but to improve him, my appreciation him, of the film. <laughs> in his mind, he was putting out the next Hearts of Darkness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. You know? Yeah, and he thought this yeah. will this will play well. You know, everyone yeah. will think I'm a master at my craft. And <laughs> and then after having watched that doco and obviously the film, I've actually never seen Neon Demon, which is I think his only other feature since then, and it's been a long time since that. I do want to check it out. Well, I've heard reasonably good things yeah I didn't that is it. the that is the big problem with nicholas winding refn is that he is remaking so many films so no one else can remake them they're all yes. in the pipeline <laughs> never to see the light of day including that that long gestated maniac cop remake maniac which cop, has yeah. gone from a movie to a hbo series to nothing how do you do maniac cop as a hbo series like <laughs> i have no idea yeah like, that's a lot of like Bruce Campbell and uh, what's her name had to be doing a lot of extramarital fucking to make that a HBO series. <laughs> series, yeah, totally. Yeah, well, every know, week I... he's on a different case. <laughs> <laughs> I like the concept. It could be like that was... Apple series, the After Party, and you could basically take the Maniac Cop and place him in a bunch of different genres throughout different episodes. Maniac <laughs> Cop in Love. Maybe someone can see past the scars and see, you know, well, he does, the man he? he once was. He's got, doesn't he have the girlfriend in it? Um, the handicapped cop. What's her name? Sherry. Oh, yeah. She's the one that's covering up for his crimes. That she was yep, his yep. girlfriend that he kind of 
He does he needs have love interest. Yeah, he yeah. needs though, but what he needs is a canine partner, so we could bring like Cujo into it or something. Oh man, I love that concept. See, again, it's writing <laughs> itself. Nicholas, if you're listening, give us a call. We've got the ideas. We can get this shit moving. And look, we're not bound by the WGA, so we can make this happen. Let's get started. And we'll right. do non-union actors. It'll be fine. It's an independent production. We'll on-sell it to HBO at a later point. Yeah. So we can make this happen. But anyway. Well, gentlemen, that's all I've got for you this week. No news as such. I'll save that for a quieter week. But uh, hope for you're... Uh, Take it out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, i got nothing. I'm just like, <laughs> hope you have a good one, gentlemen. Oh, you know, what is the... So the topic, sorry, the topic for this episode, was it twins movies? Well, yeah, look, it's a, I mean, we're, we're still, we're still... Loose topic? Yeah, it's twin movies as in um, movies that are similar to each other, um, like Volcano, Dante's Peak. They're called twin movies. Ah, right? okay, right, then, okay. As, um, as people listening know that as we go through the show, um, we're talking about twins in movies, which is, it's a bit of a, a loose twin theme. I'm just waiting in for them to, to use it as a, a means to talk about the made-for-TV action thriller Twin Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've done it now. I do have uh, two copies of. And, uh, make Everybody does. Together. I've got two copies too. Why? <laughs> let me Why? Uh, let, just quickly let me take care of business. Until next time, stay physical. Stay physical. <laughs> do you remember twin movies? I certainly do. I talked about the Barbarian Brothers. Yeah, we did. I mean, look, we we kind of talked about it in Jarrett's segment too. Like yeah. we 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 keep forgetting because we recorded a couple of days ago yeah. that we have mentioned it. The twin yeah. movies are basically movies that uh, I guess at what we're talking about. The twin movies we're talking about are at any given time the, the zeitgeist or blatant uh, intellectual property theft. <laughs> The studios tend to release two movies very that are very similar in theme and tone. They always have eyes on each other. Yeah, yeah. at the at the same time. Yeah. So the, 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 the eyes they've got on each other must be internally like right at a very early stage of development. Yeah. yeah? Like yeah, I yeah. mean the big one the big one that I kind of first became aware of it was Deep Impact and Armageddon, mm. which I'm sure there'd been ones before that, but that was the one that for me. I was like, this is weird that they're both doing this at the same time. If you do a list, like you go to like Wiki or something, look up a list of, they are called twin movies. If you look it up, it goes right back to the 1930s. Yeah, right. Where like, you know, because all the studios were kind of on the same sort of lot or same street. Yeah. And so I, I'm guessing they just had like people running back and forth, you know, just sharing ideas and stealing ideas. Yeah, right. You know, like, you know, someone's so down the road is making this movie. Well, we must do it too. You know, <laughs> that yeah. kind of thing. Or well, that was a hit. Yeah. It went out as quick as we can. Yeah, we must copy. Because there was always, a, there was a bit of time. I think there was a bit of time between, yeah. like not a lot, but like, Especially not when you consider it can take a year to make a film. Yeah. But between the release, there was a couple of months. Yeah, that's between right. Between Deep Impact and That's right. And quite often, one of them is just slightly better production value than the other. And, you know, that's probably yeah. the one that's... And, you know, was it, what was it? U571 and K19 Winnemaker yep. were other one, was another Excellent. one that I remember. I know you've got a, a, a list. I do. I've got a list. And what we're going to do is just go through the list and maybe just talk about which one's the better one or yeah, okay. which one you prefer. We're going to start with one that, you know, quite often comes up in conversation, for me anyway... Tombstone White Earp. Yeah. Made at the same time. Um, and I believe they were rival productions at the yeah. time. 
it's a really both weird good though. movies. Both good movies. I remember thinking, but they're they're the funny thing is, is that they're both White Earp movies, but they're White Earp movies in different periods of time. Yep. White Earp is basically gunfight at the OK Corral. Yeah, yeah. And Tombstone is what happens after that. Yeah, and and Tombstone leans very heavily into genre, like it's much more of it, like a, a popcorn movie. Yeah. Whereas White Earp, it's Kevin Costner. Yeah, it's it's leaning into what he was doing at the time with you know Dances with Wolves. It was much more a sprawling epic. Yeah, and yeah. Tomb- Tombstone is basically, I always think, what Deadwood yeah. was kind of based on. <laughs> well, look, Tombstone all the way for me. <clears throat> yeah, look, I, I look for me at the time, it was, who do I like better? Kurt, Kurt Russell <laughs> or... Uh, or um, no, got Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Yeah. And it was Kurt Russell. Yeah. Even well, though he kind of his mustache was kind of stupid. Well, for me too, I was like a young guns kid, like, you know, and this was a hot shot cast, yeah. you know, sort of like the next generation up. Because who is it in that one? It's it's Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday. Yeah. Kurt Russell. Um, um yeah. Uh, oh, now I've got blank. Bill Paxton Bill is one Paxton. of his brothers. Sam Elliott yep. is one of the other brothers. Yep. Um And the costumes were very cool and iconic looking. Like the Kevin Costner one, they were Cowboys like Dusty and like, but there was yeah. something about Tombstone that had a real image and a real look to it. Trench coats and yeah. black mustaches and shit. And who is it? It's not Jan Michael Vincent. It's um, we almost interviewed him. Uh, is the the villain the kind of yeah, yeah, the yeah, Pecos yeah. kid kind of Doc Holiday rival? Um, yeah, Jeff Fay. Was it Jeff Fay? Could have been. I want to say it's Jeff Fay. Okay. But it's someone like that. I like to give people some fact-checking duties. <laughs> they can check that and let us know. Okay, cool. Uh, next one on my list. It's more, a bit more modern. White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously you can tell which is the better one by the which is the one that spawned the most sequels. Uh, well, it's all for me. It's Olympus funny. Has Fallen by Golden Mile. I think it's the better movie. However, White House Down's fun too. Yeah, White House Down is a lot of fun. Like, they both are. And I actually, I quite like um, whatever the next one is. Um, London Has Fallen? London Has Fallen. Like, I like the, the beginning of that. I mean, it goes nowhere, it, considering it had such great scope yep. of them running around the city of London. You kind of think, this movie can go for hours. Yeah. Just them constant getting in and out of scrapes, and they kind of really only go to one I place. even like the third one, which was Angel Has Fallen. It was much lower budget, like, kind of, almost yeah. a director-video type of thing. It was a sign of where things were going with uh, yeah. Gerard Butler. <laughs> yeah. And wasn't, um, oh, who was the bloody, was it, oh, hang on. Was it Tommy Chong that played, like, the, the hillbilly in the woods? Oh, no, I'm wrong. It's Michael Byne. Oh, yes, right. So, in Tombstone, yeah. just as a... So... Which means now I have to look up uh, White Earp to see if that's the one that Jan Michael Vincent was in, or not. Jan, um, <laughs> that's right, it's Dennis Quaid. Dennis Fuck Quaid, yeah, yeah. Gene Hackman, David <laughs> Andrews, they were the ones in. And yet yeah, Jeff Bay uh, was one of the Clantons yep. in White Earp. Sorry. No, easy, to, to, easy to confuse. Yeah. I mean, they're twin movies. They're twin movies, yeah. All right. Um, okay, this one's right up your alley. Probably mine a little bit too, but you've got the choice between Chasing Liberty and First Order. Uh, I'd probably have to go. Look, I'd probably have to go chasing. Liberty yes, that's my choice too. Because First Daughter is a bit more kind of corny. Do you know who directed First Daughter? Who? Forrest Whitaker. No shit. Yes. I mean, look, Michael Keaton. Is Michael Keaton's the dad in? Yeah, he's in the that president. One, and it's Katie Holmes. Yeah, he's the president. <laughs> and I can't remember who the guy is. Oh, um, is it Chasing Liberty Matthew Good? 
Chasing Liberty is Matthew Good and Mandy Moore. Yes. And oh, it was it's a much better movie. I mean, look, it's a hard one too because at the time, you know, who did I have a bigger crush on, Mandy Moore or uh, Katie Holmes? <laughs> I couldn't have told you. I would have, like. <laughs> what does it say about us when we struggle to think of names from Tombstone and White Earth, but when it comes to Chasing Liberty, <laughs> we've got them down <laughs> I know 100% who I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. Um, here's a great double. I, I, I don't know how I choose Turner and Hooch and K9. I think yeah. I'm leaning towards Turner and Hooch, but Canine's fucking good. I look. I remember the entirety of Turner and Hooch. Yeah, not the car, like a, not the, the car. car. <laughs> <laughs> and liking and, but I remember the beginning. It's one of my favorite all time beginnings of of a movie is Canine, yeah. where he goes, where the the guy is. Um, taking those people hostage and so he goes across the road to the rental car place and goes yeah give me the insurance give me all the insurance <laughs> and then you like this before you're a kid and you know about things like excess mm. yeah <laughs> yeah just, totally he just takes that car and just rides it right through the it's, it's a great beginning but canine is also a much more serious cop kind of movie a buddy cop movie it's, it's yeah. comical obviously but whereas canine doesn't really have much procedural stuff like canine does it's much like more t- turn the home turn and hooch, there's more yeah. the home life and you know adjustments and stuff yeah, i mean there still is a pretty good but like he's he works in the most unrealistic police station in turner and hooch like it's like a bank or something it's really it's open plan i, wish I could it's remember really there was a, there's a really like there's a notorious story about turner and hooch about a director that was fired from it and Roger, oh, really? Roger Spottiswood came in and took over. Um, and I know that I think Roger Spottiswood and Tom Hanks hate each other to this day after that movie. So it's hard to, I find it hard to believe that Tom Hanks hates anyone or yeah. anyone hates Tom Hanks. I think he'd be very easy to hate. I think he's, uh, I think he's a facade. I think he's, oh, a, really? I think he's a different man. Um, but I think in, in terms of meeting fans, I think he's very approachable. He's done lots of great stuff online with photos and stuff. I just think... The real Tom Hanks is an arsehole. It's like a dark. Yeah, I do. I really do. But that Turn and Hooch was like what I would call the Tom Hanks glory days. Like it was the best era for Tom Hanks. The comedies were where it's at. I wish you'd go back to them. The funny thing is, right, is that Turn and Hooch is clearly the bigger, it's the bigger film. Yep. Yet Canine is the one that has the three sequels or the two sequels. Two sequels, yeah. And all Turn Turn and Hooch has is a much, much, much later TV show. I know. It uh, lasted one season. That was, yeah, relatively <laughs> unsuccessful. Okay, how about uh, Red Planet Mission to Mars? I don't really yeah. like either of those, to be honest I with didn't, you. I, look, I don't think I ever saw... Which is the one with the robot dog? Oh, fuck, I don't remember. I think that was... I think, I think that's Red Planet. <clears throat> I think Mission, I saw Mission to Mars and I, I don't remember any Mission of it. Mission to Mars, I think it's Brian De Palma. Yeah, right. And Red Planet, I don't remember who it is, but has it got Tom Sizemore? I don't know. I don't I don't think much of either of them, and they're both flops. <laughs> uh, one of them has Val Kilmer in it. That's Red Planet. And the other one... Is it... Uh, <laughs> what's the guy who played the, who's n- the current Hulk? Was he? No, that's before his time. Yeah. I can't remember who the other one is. No, but they're, they're big cast, both of them. It's yeah. just I don't care for the movie, so I don't retain that. Um, this is a this is one that I really never considered to be twin movies, but they kind of are when you think about it, and they're listed that way: Explorers and Flight of the Navigator. Yeah, right. Which they are, they're, you know, adventures of kids in space. In space, off yeah. they go. I mean, for me, it's got to be Flight of the Navigator. Easy, easy. I think Explorers is a bit overrated. I think when they end up on a foreign on a on a planet with these aliens that are very goofy, it loses credibility there for me. The honest truth is I to this day have never seen Explorers. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But Flight of the Navigator I used to like every every school holiday camp I went to, school yeah. holiday not camp, whatever it is, school yeah. holiday care. 
and and end of year primary school, you'd end up at some point yeah. you would watch Flight of the Navigator. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, Joey Kramer, the kid from Flight of the Navigator, was one of the kids running down the alleyway in, in Neverending Story. Really? Yeah, that was sort of one of his first gigs. But um, yeah, Explorers. I, mean, I would have said that uh, Flight of the Navigator and Neverending Story. Yeah, could kind of be. Yeah, even though they may be years apart, I don't know when they came out. Only because it's, it's they're both about kids kind of going to different worlds. Yeah, that's right. Kind of getting lost in a or Daryl, 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 and uh, yeah. yeah, and Flight of the Navigator. It's like the, just those tech kind of and Boy Who Could Fly. Like they're all for me. They're Great. all well. That's out era. Intrinsically linked. Yeah. Boy Who Could Fly, Fred Savage. Yeah, remember he's uh, got the water pistol. What's in it? Piss. <laughs> you think I'm scared of a water pistol? It's not water. <laughs> what is it? Here's, um, here's twin movies that one is a fucking banger blockbuster and the other one really had to try hard to equal it. You've got Top Gun and Iron Eagle. Yeah. And Iron Eagle has a lot of sequels. Iron Eagle has a lot of sequels. It's like yeah. the direct-to-video version. Yeah. But I think it was still theatrical. Was I mean, was was Roger Corman behind any of those? Like, was he like a... Because it's, it's got him written all over it to me. I don't know. Look, I always thought... Because Iron Eagle, for me, is kind of like the... It's the kids' version. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Yep. <clears throat> I'm just trying to think. There was a, There's another one of those, like Space Camp, where it's kids... Yeah. Doing it like a on a in an adult environment who have to kind of, you know, or like any of those Beans Baxter kind of things where kids have to go and save their parents yeah. by using. Oh, I just love it. You I know, love it. I love that shit, man. Oh, I do, and f- but for some reason, I always thought uh, the thing with f- the fighter jets and stuff like that is that because they, I always feel that they're kind of solitary. They're not. They're not. It's not like. Um, Little Spies or Brat Patrol <laughs> or anything like that. Like, these guys are in Jet Airplane. I just, I found it completely unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I much preferred a, like, a kid's <laughs> heist movie where they have to go rescue the dog from the pound or yeah. I save just, the house I just, being torn down by the evil bank. I love these conversations because, like, I used to think I was, like, horror. It's all about horror. Horror, horror, horror. That's my jam. And now it's all about family movies. Like, <laughs> I just love a really good family movie. It, I, yeah. will, like, I will take a great family movie on a Sunday afternoon over a good horror movie on a Friday night. Like, oh. you know, and I haven't got time, you know, to, you know, choose. So it's one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Family. I can no longer stay awake long enough for the, <laughs> the late night Friday horror movie. I mean, I, st- I still love both, so yeah, you can uh, you can step away from the keyboard, people. <laughs> uh, dude, I've got so many here; it could take forever to get through these. But I've got Terminal Velocity and Drop Zone. Terminal Velocity. I mean, Drop Zone is a, probably I was a better say, film. I will go for Drop Zone. Terminal Velocity because of the opening with uh, Charlie Sheen in the chaps <laughs> at, the, at the kids' party, or whatever it is. Ah, uh, Showgirls and Striptease. Showgirls, oh, showgirls for me. Yeah. me. <laughs> Striptease was that that cover with her photoshopped was really. She was still she was still super bulky from GI Jane, <laughs> and every time anytime anyone says GI Jane, you have to watch out because Will Smith can appear and slap you. It's the <laughs> new urban legend. From uh, from Showgirls to Ants and Bugs Life. Bugs yeah. Life for me. I think it's Pixar's best film to date. Yeah, I honestly. Uh... And I know Pixar now make like deep movies, like they've got a lot of you know um, drama in their movies. But Bugs Life just was really something special at the time. Yeah. So you can't choose. I can't. Um, I can't. Re- I, I remember one has Woody Allen and Sylvester Stallone and Sharon Stone, who's that was ants. completely wasted. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one is no Seinfeld is the B movie. What was the? 
I don't remember, and I don't remember anything about Bugs Life other than it had better animation. But yeah, and just good characters. Yeah, and it came straight after Toy Story, so it was sort of like they tapped into how characters work in animation yeah. and made them relatable. I'm gonna skip a few. Um, Tr- Truman Show and Ed TV. Yeah, Truman Show for me, but Ed TV. It's like it's a very it's underassuming movie. It's one that people don't talk about anymore. <clears throat> no, no. It's um. Do you remember when you know how I know that Ed TV was a big movie, <laughs> and subsequently a bit of a flop. Was it a big movie? <laughs> well, it was. The reason I know it was a big movie is because video stores bought big, and for years afterwards, you could find it for four ninety nine in the for sale bit. Well, everyone was banking on Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. And that proves that star power is not everything. Like, well, I mean, but you look at it now. Who's the biggest star, Jim Carrey or Matthew McConaughey? I'd say Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. So it worked in. But I don't think, I don't think Matthew McConaughey's heights will ever beat the height Jim Carrey got to. Yeah. Um, and Truman Show really was something special. Like, it changed changed a lot of things. Like, it it's like the Shawshank Redemption. They're not necessarily incredible films, but they they hold this special place in everyone's heart for some reason. They resonate. And 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 schools study them. Yeah. <laughs> what about Warriors and Wanderers? Oh, the Warriors any day of the week. Yeah. Although, me too. But I used to, when I was a kid, I confused them. I used to love the Wanderers. Like, it was something special. I always special. thought the Wanderers and Lords of Flatbush were. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I quite often, I wouldn't have associated half of these with being with, twin movies. But yeah. they are when you think about it, when you look at the timelines and yeah. and the themes. What else we got? Wonder Boys and Finding Forrester. Oh, I wouldn't have said. I mean, I guess they're both literary dramas. But... I wouldn't have. They're kind of similar. All right. Look, that one's a tough one. I, look, I love both those films. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Um, look, I think Finding Forest is underrated. I think that kind of got overshadowed by... You're the man. But it got overshadowed <laughs> by the website, You're the Man Now, dog. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're the man now, dog. 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 I think it was like um, Gus Van Sant trying to replicate Goodwill Hunting in a way. I think he was trying to capture that similar kind of thing and yeah. didn't work at the time. I think it, it holds up. I look, I love, I look, I love them both. I've seen Finding Forrester a hell of a lot more than I've seen Wonder Boys, though. Like, I used, yeah. Wonder Boys was a perennial mm-hmm. for me for a period of time where I'd watch it repeatedly. But yep. over the years, Finding Forrester is a much easier yeah, it, watch. Yeah, it sits well on the palate. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Skyline and Battle for Los Angeles. Yeah, interesting, interesting I mean, stories behind those. Yeah. Skyline, Skyline, and the second Skyline are kind of there's three, I think. You know, there's three, yeah. yeah. Are kind of yeah, more fun watches. The the problem with Battle Battle Los Battle Angeles, Angeles yeah. is that it's done in that kind of super handheld for you know frenetic way. So in the end of it, you you don't really know what the fuck you're so watching. So the guy that directed Skyline was the editor on Battle Los Angeles, right? And because he had access to a lot of resources. He used those resources to make Skyline and he got sued by the studio for replicating the movie he was working on for his own <laughs> game. And he got sued for it. Successfully? I don't know if it was successful you or not. You never really know because they settled out of court. They you do. Never, no one ever actually wins any of these lawsuits. They do, but I mean, they're, they're basically the same movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've got a lot more admiration for Skyline. I think it's a bit more resourceful. <laughs> That's yeah. where it comes from. Yeah. All right. How about... After Earth and Oblivion. I wouldn't have called them twin movies, but they kind of thematically work and time-wise they line up. Yeah, look, I saw Oblivion and I forgot it instantly afterwards. Yeah. And I, After Earth, that's the... Will Smith and Jaden Smith one. And M. Night Shyamalan directed that Couldn't one. watch it. He's, yeah. Will Smith is doing a weird accent and I. there are a few things that I hate more than Jaden Smith. And oh, and that nepotism was really shining through because he'd already given his kid the Pursuit of Happiness. And, and Karate Kid. Okay, but he was good in Karate Kid and he's yeah. good in Pursuit of Happiness. 
the problem is is that he is such an arrogant little shit. Yep. Like he acts like like a, I've seen him on Graham Norton show and stuff with his dad. And it's like he thinks like he has deserved any of these yeah, things he's gotten. It's the, the entitlement is outrageous. It's the outcome of too much privilege. Like yeah. that kid's done nothing to earn his own credibility. Yeah. You know, I much prefer a celebrity's kid who is like, uh, you know, demeaned constantly by their famous parents so they <laughs> yeah. have really low self-esteem. Wouldn't you hate to be Daniel Craig's kids because he's not giving them a red cent when he dies? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. I mean, don't, don't pay any attention to them, Dad. I need... I would happily be a Nepo baby. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> my theory is you've either got money or you want money. Like, I don't care how it's made or how it's earned. Like, <laughs> I, just think, I just think what you have to do is you have to raise your kids for the first 18 years as if you've got almost no money. Yeah. And then when they turn 18, then you can be like, oh, by the way, I'm fucking loaded. Which is, yeah, make sure they, they get their own job. Before yeah. you really let on how much you're worth. Yeah. Um, what about uh, The Prestige and The Illusionist? That's a great twin example of twin movies. Once again, I've seen I've seen them both. I need. It's like every time I watch them, I'm like, I've got to have to watch that again. I, look, I think Prestige probably... I mean, one's is, Christopher Nolan, right? Yeah, The Prestige. And yet, once again, I think it's overrated. Like, I don't think it works as well as everyone tells me it does. Mm. Like, it's... And then what's the then there's the other one with uh, which is much later, but with Emma Stone and uh, what's his name? Don't know that one. I probably do, but where is the me- she's the medium? No, is she the medium? <laughs> I don't know. And it's uh, Firth, Colin Firth. Oh, you know they made that movie where he's like debunking the. Oh, that's the Woody Allen one, isn't it? Is it Woody Allen? Magic in the Moonlight. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all like you know that. Are they real? Aren't they real magicians or yeah. whatever? I think Woody Allen's done too because he did Scoop as well. I think that had a bit of magic in it. Yeah, right. With Hugh Jackman. I think they're, they're reporters in it, aren't they? Scarlett Johansson and Hugh Jackman are reporters. Yeah, but I think I they're. I, th- I thought. Oh, look, I haven't seen, gonna, I haven't seen the film. I think they're investigating magicians for, as frauds. Right. But um, I could be wrong. That's one of the ones I've not returned to for a long time. Uh, we've got The Howling and American Werewolf in London. You're yeah. going to say The Howling by a country mile because there's no, no look, detective uh, work in uh, American Werewolf. To be <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he never once fights crime. Uh, no, Jenny Argut is in, Jenny Augut is in yeah. American Werewolf, so that one wins yeah. for me and I, Rick Mayo. I find um, American Werewolf genuinely scary. Look, I, I, to be honest with you, I watched The Howling on VHS. I remember loving it, but I haven't watched it again since. Yeah, and I've seen American Werewolf a lot more often That's funny, since actually. I've watched it. But the whole thing is the whole thing with those two movies is that is that um, uh, what's his name, <coughs> John uh, Norton? No, who's the guy that directed it? Oh, Landis. John Landis. Yeah, John Landis, and was it Rick Bottin? Rick Bottin who did the special effects? Oh, Rick Baker. Rick Baker. Yeah. He was working on the special effects for American Werewolf in London and then it just never got made. Yeah. And then Dante was like, hired him to do. Yeah. And so he, he was going to use all this. So then that's why John Lennon had to hurry up and make yeah. American Werewolf in London. Yeah. But they weren't supposed to be competing films. No. I only thought of this today, actually. Um, someone online asked what the scariest uh, scenes in movies are that you, know, you consider the scariest. First two that came to mind, one was American Werewolf in London and it's on the moors when they're being stalked by the werewolf. That terrifies me to this day, just the fact that it's foggy. It's, it's a bit like Silver Bullet as well, the hunting scene, yeah. where you, you don't know what's out there, but you can hear it circling <coughs> around them. Terrifies me. And then the other one was um, Deranged, you know, the, the yeah. Blossom Roberts. The, the scene Rob- when... Roberts Blossom. Roberts Blossom. <laughs> I know, it's always a backwards fucking name, that yeah. one. 
But the scene <coughs> when he runs out of the house in, at night time wearing a face yeah. towards the pickup truck. Yeah. Right now, I've got chills thinking about that image. See, for me, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre scene where he chases her out oh, with the truck driver yeah. and he's like swinging the, yeah. the chainsaw, that terrified me. Yep. And... Um, you know, like, I think Deranged, like, really underappreciated because of Texas Chainsaw. Like, yeah. And the only thing I think that ruins Deranged is that fucking fake documentary stuff. The oh. news reporter that's in the fucking scenes. I thought it were, you were going to say it's the scene where he's trying to force feed his mother and the stuff is green. Oh, but when he what takes her head off, like, the, her scalp. Yeah. Oh, that's a, it's, it's far more gratuitous it's, than yeah. Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. All right, moving on. We've got Gremlins and Ghoulies. Oh, Gremlins. <clears throat> Hands down, as a no-brainer. I guess munchies you could throw in there. There's a whole lot of yeah. movies that came out. Weird science, but and if real you were genius. to say if you say ghoulies and critters, uh, critters, but yeah, oh, critters for sure. So r- real science and real uh, genius, real genius and weird science. Oh, I take weird science. I think I would too. However, real genius. Every time I watch it, it slays me. Look, it's a fun movie, but it's much more of a it's much more of a kind of a college hijinks mm-hmm. kind of movie. Whereas, yes, yeah, true. Um, the house, Weird of the, science, the, the house of the popcorn. Weird mate. science is like any, you know, pubescent boy's fantasy. Yeah. Like if you watch that movie when you're 13, it's like watching it's like watching Woman in Red. Like you can you can jerk off to that movie a dozen times before you realize <laughs> that she doesn't actually get naked. Yeah. It. <laughs> it's all in your head. And what disappointment that Kelly is. Kelly LeBrock. Um here's an interesting one because these two <laughs> are by by no means are these the first movies to do this concept, but they came out the same year, like Father Like Son and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, there's so many of those Freaky Friday type. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but these again. these two did compete. Yeah. I think vice versa is the better film. Which is which? Is one's Judge Reinhold, the other's like Kirk Cameron. Yeah, so vice versa is Fred Savage and Judge Reinhold, and Good like Father Like Son is Kirk Cameron, and I can't remember who the like George Burns. Jo- yeah, George. No, that's eighteen that's again. That's eighteen again. No, but I can't. Oh, Dudley Moore, I think it was. Kirk Cameron and Dudley Moore, like, so he actually decreases in height. <laughs> I, <shrink. laughs> I grew up to be a drunk who can play the piano. Oh, I've got a few more. Um, I think this is a no-brainer, but I, I'm very um, fascinated by the way the Americans approach this one. So you've got Priscilla Queen of the Desert and Tu Wong Fu. Ooh. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Now, the Americans talk about Tu Wong Fu like it's groundbreaking and that it's like a really important film. It's progressive. It's like but it just ripped off Priscilla. Like, yeah. that's the one you ought to be, you know, yeah. goo-goo over. Like, I, I think Priscilla's a, it's a bit of a masterpiece. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty good. I, my problem with uh, Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar, is that <laughs> you can literally, you can see Chris Penn about to have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's constantly, like, he gets so red in the face and you're like, this guy's going to keel over any second now. And I guess it's also watching uh, Tu Wong Fu those particular actors in drag is it's not quite right like they're not real people again like they they're all yeah. like muscle bound see it had and that's the thing too because when you had Terence Stamp which was you know a very celebrated actor doing Priscilla they didn't make him out to be like a real done up drag like yeah. he was a normal looking drag queen like he was you know look going for the the natural kind of look so they weren't trying to glamorize a look they were trying to get to the heart of you know these characters yeah, I just don't think the other but, one did. But they that. weren't. None of them were all like spent every you know six days a week in the gym. Yeah, that's Whereas right. Whereas yeah, the Tuong right. Fu, yeah, 
Because I've, I've I've heard John Leguizamo talking about it like it's like it's the most groundbreaking thing. But no, the pest is his groundbreaking. Yeah, thing. Oh, don't do it. <laughs> I like to. <laughs> Every time I hear the pest, I have to sing that. Um, and I bet they didn't tuck. No, I reckon everyone just, except for Terence and Priscilla tucked. Tucked. I reckon they just bulged. <laughs> and like Julie Newmar. <clears throat> yeah, I know. All right, how about Braveheart and Rob Roy? Yeah, that, that, look, I enjoyed both of those films. I don't know if I could Cop pick. Out. Yeah, I don't know if I could. Uh, I mean, Braveheart probably. Yeah, but I do like. I love the ending of uh, Rob Roy, and I love <laughs> Brian Cox talking about how <laughs> he could drink Tim Roth's piss because <laughs> because it's ninety percent alcohol. <laughs> Did he light it? Because <laughs> yeah, he because he's like he's like a uh, Tim Roth's like the a dandy. Yeah. Lord or whatever yeah, And Brian yeah. Cox is like one of his retainers That's Or whatever right. And he comes in He wakes up in the morning After a night on the piss And just fills <laughs> his chamber pot and <laughs> It's fucking weird um, Is Brian Cox in both of them? Oh, is he Braveheart? Because he's the uncle Isn't he? The uncle in Braveheart Who takes Far out Mel Gibson away He's only in it for like a, For that one He would have been there For a day or whatever yeah, I don't recall that He takes him away And that's when he comes back And he's like, As an adult It's possible Don't recall it <coughs> um, and another one that I think is up your alley is Godspell and Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, I've never seen Godspell. Right. But, and I had until Cinemaniacs played Jesus Christ Superstar and seen that. That's such a weird film because it's it's them putting on the play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Rather than the play itself. Yeah. yeah. Rather than the story. Yeah. So not exactly a clone movie in twin sense, but it's sort of, it's cashing it's, in on yeah. the movement. Um, I'll skip a few. Um, Absolute Power and Murder at 1600. Yeah, both White House. Uh, yep. Isn't there's a bit? There's, isn't? I think I'll go for what, Absolute Power. There's one of those ones, and I can't remember if it's Absolute Power or Blood Work or whatever. But there's this weird thing. Clint Eastwood's daughter is in it, but they're not playing father and daughter. And there's a weird thing it's where you're like, are they? It's not true crime, is it? Or yeah, it's one, the I Death Row one, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's but a weird, like, weird they, era for for Clint. Are they flirting? <laughs> it's a weird. There's a weird vibe about them. And I love Alison Eastwood, so I was very upset. Well, this is a contentious one. You've got Dark City and The Matrix. Dark City, for me, wins hands down. Yeah, look, I think yeah, probably at the time I would have said The Matrix, but Mm. now I'd say Dark City is a much more interesting film. And I just think aesthetically it holds up. Like, Even though it was full of special effects, there's a lot more practical stuff in there. And look, I think for years... I, w- I was su- super impressed by the beginning of that. Like, what a great way to start the f- a film is like a guy wakes up in a bathtub in a yeah yeah in a hotel and doesn't know who he is. And you're yeah. like, this is a fucking great way to get you, you know, to start running mm-hmm. the minute the you know the movie starts. Like, you're off and going. It's a great concept. Yeah, I mean, one for the flat earthers. Hey, indeed. <laughs> I always thought that that uh, what's the name was it kind of a rip off the imagination the imagine the what's the Matt Damon. Uh, one with the Imagination Bureau or oh the Adjustment Bureau Adjustment Bureau I was like yeah. this, this that felt very that and Source Code could be um mm. like twin movies I guess if they came out close to each other uh, No Strings Attached and Friends with Benefits I love both those films like that's very that's that's cheeky isn't it because they're both the same title really yeah. just different ways of saying the one thing <laughs> yeah. I like them both too I couldn't pick one I I love them both I do too what about Observe and Report and Paul Blart Moore Cop <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Paul Blart Morecop, actually. I think, no, I think Observe on. and Report is Observe a bit... Observe and Report is a lot fucking darker. I th- it's a lot darker, and I think it's a bit more clever, if you can say mm. that. 
Paul Blatt's much more just like a slapsticky kind of goofy movie. Goofy comedy, whereas, yeah, Observe and Report is like yeah. <laughs> messed up. We've got two more to go. John Wick and Equalizer. Yeah. Very similar when you, you break them down and they came out the same year. Yeah, look, I mean, to be honest, I'll take Equalizer. Same. Same. Over those two. Absolutely. Over those two. Only because, really, John Wick is, and this has been the, my problem with all of the subsequent sequels, mm. It's five. It's a, it's a short film mm. that they just padded out by throwing <clears throat> more bodies I, to kill. I loved the first John Wick. Not gonna lie, but it's just the same. Everything over is the same. Yeah, over and over. Equalizes a little bit different per you know per installment. Yeah, I mean it's just a shame that it, you know in Lethal Weapon, Danny Glover constantly says I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> John Wick, he doesn't go. Yeah, I guess I'm back. Yeah. Like he should be repeating uh, uh, that. In every film. And the last one, we're not really, we're not ending things on a, on a real bang here, but <laughs> Life After Beth and Barry and the X. Yeah, right. They are the same movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go for Barry and the X just because of the affinity I have with Joe Dante and got, um, what's his name? The, the See, I'm going to go with Life After Beth just yeah. because Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> fair. That's fair. It's, like, it's before, an arbitrary Before reason. people really knew who she was. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, you got Anton Elchin or whatever his name is, Yelchin. He's in uh, Barry and the X. So, oh, look, I think that one just wins out. I saw a trailer with him in something recently. And now I've got, I can't remember what it was, but I really wanted to see that film. Oh, thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> Cain. 
you were dancing along to that one, Ben. That was, um, just so, so you know what the name of it was, Holy Roller Novocaine from Stuck On You. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been Stuck On You. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not the best um, Farrelly Brothers movie. No, it's no say. <laughs> say it isn't so. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's right. Uh, all right. So, we're, we're still on the, the twin theme here, Ben. Um, I'm going to predict we have about a quarter of the audience left. So, let's... Uh, <laughs> I can bring them back. I'm trying to find that. I'm trying to find that Anton Yelchin oh, yeah, uh, no, movie that we, for it, yeah. that we were talking about in the last segment, and um, he made a short film called uh, "Kiss Kiss Finger Bang," <laughs> which uh, now I need to track down. Oh, that sounds like a good one, doesn't it? Uh, I want to talk about movies about twins this time. Movies do you have about any, do you twins. Have any favorites? You know what? Last night I watched Double Impact. I hadn't seen that for a very long time. And look, I think it holds up pretty well. Oh, yeah, the Van Dam, Van Dam when he plays twins. And yeah. what's and what's his name? It's, um, what's Juliet Lewis's dad's name? Jeffrey Lewis. Jeffrey Lewis. He's in it. Isn't isn't he also play twins in Maximum Impact as yeah, well? Yeah, he does. I think there's three. And Replicary kind of plays himself as yeah. well. Uh, replicant, it, I should say. I was going to say the Six Day count as a twin film when Arnie's he's a replicant. <laughs> well, let's just say yes, replicants. You know, yeah, multiplicity. That's do right. They, you know, know, do those ones count? That's just what is it? It's um. Fancy masturbation, whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> a really <laughs> awesome form of masturbation. <laughs> yeah, but no, Double Impact held up really well. But I also remember as a kid, my parents renting from the video store Big Business. Do you remember that? With um, Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin, and they played the... Yeah, right. I remember Twins. Twins is the big one. Yeah, of course. But then... I, <laughs> that's, that's, that was the gold standard. That's, that's, that's a running gag, that one, isn't it? Like, yeah. Look Tonight is your night, bro. <laughs> Tonight is your night, bro. Boondock Saints, they're twins. Not yeah, identical, right. but, but um, twins? don't mind a bit of Boondock Saints. Supposedly the third one's still coming. Yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> that, was me, that was me holding my breath. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? 
else we got there? We've got um, Parent Trap, of course, famous. I do, I do quite like... I mean, I picked it. When I saw the Lindsay Lohan one, I was like, that kid's going to be huge. Uh-huh, yeah. And she was. She was and yeah. then she had a meteoric <laughs> meteoric rise and a catastrophic yeah. fall. What did you think of the, the sequels to the Hayley Mills ones? Because she did, I think, three sequels. I don't think I ever saw them. I saw the Hayley Mills one. Yeah. They used to play that on TV quite a bit when I was a kid. But, yeah. uh, and I, and, but by the time I got to like part four, she was like 60 or something. You know, yeah. <laughs> so weird. So weird. Uh, Dead Ringers. Yeah, well, that's a big one, isn't it? And, um, of course, The Shining has twins in it, but I wouldn't say it's a twin what film. What about uh, twin, twin Falls, Idaho? <laughs> Do you remember that one? I remember it, but I don't remember it. Like, I, I know the film, I know the cover, but I don't remember the The funny thing is, story. I'm pretty sure that the guys who made that, I can't remember if they're, like, what the connection is. If, did they, was it the filmmakers or the star? But there was another movie called Potluck yep. with John Grease, where he's a, um, and I think it's Garrett Morris, maybe. But he's like a, he's on the karaoke circuit. Mm. It's like a, a, a twin movie to, um, to uh, what's that one with Hugh Lewis and Gwyneth Paltrow? No, bloody duets. Yeah, duets. <laughs> it's like it's like that, except <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> Except it's the super like low rent. Like he's <laughs> he's working really shitty oh, clubs. I've had deja vu, or we've spoken about that on the show before. How amusing! Um, basket a, case. That was a, a myth special. Basket case. You're right. Yeah, that's a great twin movie. It's yeah, but it's always I always forget that Bilal is his twin. <laughs> I just I, I really have a soft spot for number three. What about Basket the case? Yeah, with the kids. Yeah. What about the Barbarian Brothers twins movies? Barbarians, Double Trouble, Double Trouble, <laughs> Double Take. Oh my god! What ever happened to them? I mean, were they they for the most part weren't they like they're like John Paragon movies? Yeah, that's a good yeah. Um, but what happened to the Barbarian Brothers? Didn't, you know, petty crime, <laughs> <laughs> drug addiction, alcoholism, petty crime. Are they like Don the Dragon Wilson, old but still working out? Like, what what's happening with those guys? We've got to jump on the interwebs the, after the this. Paul, the Paul brothers. The Paul brothers. No, I prefer Barbarian I think brothers. one of them had a... I think one of them is dead. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, that's but, just uh, brought, it, brought it down. <laughs> Craze. The craze. Now, their story's been told several times over, including that Tom Hardy one. Yeah. Was it, um, I don't remember the name of that. No, legend, legend. Legend. Um, Which right. I always get mixed up. I always think they're talking about the Tom Cruise movie. Here's two interesting ones that I think are very similar. You've got Munchies, where you had like the evil entrepreneur that was um, uh, trying to steal the Munchie. Yeah. Um, but then, similarly, because like, that's just a really, really weird sort of concept, but the villain in Shock Treatment, Farley Flavors, is the twin brother of Brad Majors. Yeah, right. They're both played by Cliff DeYoung. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great twin concept. Twin, yeah. I, I think Shock Treatment is very sorely you know know underrated. The, you know what the best twins movie is? Sorceress. Written by Jim Minorsky. <laughs> yeah. Starring the the Barbie twins. Yep. Lynn, Lynette, Lynn and Lynette Harris. And it's the one where... It's the first time I, I ever knew this was a thing where they get split up. Mm-hmm. And one of them is on a row is on the road with a old barbarian guy and a weird horny goat man, <laughs> and the other one is in the palace with a prince, and the one who's in the palace in th- with the prince has sex with the prince, and the other one that's on the road spontaneously has an orgasm because of it. <laughs> and I, I I convinced my I didn't know what it was I just thought it was a fantasy movie yeah 
and I convinced my grandmother to let me borrow it on uh, when I was like you know staying with her over school mm. holidays. Yeah, and we watched it together, and Ooh. she <laughs> got very very angry. Oh, really? Would not let me borrow from that uh, video flash ever again. Oh, see, I was so lucky that. I exploited my man for as many movies from the video store as I could and she'd let me watch every single one of them. All these R-rated films. Look, it probably wouldn't have been a problem except my grandmother lived in like a one... Well, it was it was actually a two-bedroom flat. But and you like, had your pants down masturbating. Like, was, <laughs> this was, this I'd be was, angry too. This was pre that time. <laughs> um, I want to talk about some um, celebrities who are twins. Did okay. you know Kiefer Sutherland is a twin? No, I didn't know that. He's got a twin sister. I haven't written the actual siblings' names down here, right. but he has got a, a twin sister. I've seen a photo of them together. Very similar. Both look like Donald. Yep. <laughs> How unfortunate of her. <laughs> uh, Vin Diesel has a twin, and his twin is much more scrawny and not as jacked. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's an interesting thing. And, and has hair, but very wow. similar in feature. Right. Uh, they're not identical, but they're close enough. Scarlett Johansson has a twin brother. It's always unfortunate when the, it's a uh, boy girl. <laughs> it doesn't really have the same. <laughs> Your dad's story doesn't ring true. No. I mean, uh, it does, but it's <laughs> Ashton, Ashton Kutcher has a brother, a disabled brother, which is why he sort of um, does all of his charity work for disabled organisations. And you're just looking for an in for a joke there, in in regards yeah. to Ashton. Do you think he does it so he doesn't have to spend time with his actual brother? Oh. <laughs> No, I thought you were going in for like a one of him and Mila Kunis kind of uh, controversial shit that's gone down in Hollywood right now. Right, yeah, no, okay. Rami Malek has a twin that's pretty close yeah. to identical. John Heater. This one freaks me out. So John Heater has a brother that's also an actor and they're fucking identical. And now I'm worried about who I've been like yeah, championing, like, like <laughs> which one is which? Yeah, Because you look at them together and you cannot tell them apart. Yeah, right. That's which disturbing was, to me. Which is the one in Blades of Glory. That's right. I don't. I don't trust you that they've all been John Heater. Yeah, you'd be my standard. Same with Aaron and Sean Ashmore. Um, you know the yeah. the guy that played. Um, I hate them both. Jimmy in Smallville, and one was in yeah. um, X Men. Yeah, yeah. Like and one's in the Rookie, and the once again, like which one have I been? Enjoying? Veronica Mars. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the the the. Do you remember Crossing Jordan, the yeah. TV show? Yeah, yeah. She's a twin. What was her name? I can't uh, remember. Sorry. She's in sorry that. She's in Exit Wounds. She's in Exit Wounds. Yeah. Right. Uh, so well, she's, she's you look that up. Um, Parker Posey is also a twin. Giovanni Ribisi is a twin. Eva Green is a twin. Is he a twin with with Summer? Is it Summer? His twin? Who? Um, Giovanni. Giovanni Ribisi is it? Summer ah, Ribisi? could or be something like could something be. like that. I think they come from a hippie family. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What's your name? Jill Hennessy. Jill Hennessy, because her sister was also an actress. Uh. How do you feel if you're a twin and your sibling hits the heights of Hollywood? Yeah, and you don't? Yes. Well, she quit. The other one quit. She got out of it. Uh, oh, sorry, so that was her in the pilot of Yellowstone. Uh, <laughs> Ben's just going down his own little rabbit hole right now. It actually doesn't say... <laughs> How is it? It's weird. Her IMDb doesn't, think, doesn't, tell, you what her, doesn't tell you what her sister's name is. Hey, but, but, mom, totally, but they were both actresses and they were both in stuff at the, around the same time and then one okay. and because I think they you know like all like all actresses they kind of started off as models mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> you know I just yep. did, a, did a little modeling on the side to make some extra cash in Collingwood in, in, in college uh, before going to Hollywood 
but the other one just quit. She couldn't. She didn't want to deal with the, yep. the thing of being famous and. Well, that's fair. Well, it's a bit that's tough fair. when you look like your sister who's famous. Oh, like you're just going to get tarred with that brush. Yeah, wherever you go. But there is that TV show. You know that point that you just raised, is it? Which is I think it's on binge or something at the moment. It's. I think it's one season in about the two siblings. Like what happens when they're one? One's really famous. When the youngest brother becomes insta famous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How do they deal with it? Instagram or instantly? Uh, both. Okay. I think he's like social so, media famous, yeah, but like, that. but like, yeah, really famous. Yeah, he's made the, millions, the, and yeah. the sibling hasn't. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a good, uh, a good proposition, but I don't think I'd watch it because of who they are. Yeah. <laughs> There's been some uh, twin filmmaking teams. We've had a lot of sibling filmmakers like the Coen brothers, but we've got recently Danny and Michael Philippou. Yep. Mark and Michael Polish. They're the guys that made Astronaut Farmer and recently Terror on the Prairie, mm-hmm. you know, that Gina Carano film. But interestingly, they, they were also the twin Cenobites in Hellraiser 4. Yeah, right. I love those stories. <laughs> Remember Mike Leader was telling us about that director that did Johnny what English the, uh... and he ended up being the Cenobite from fucking... Yeah. <laughs> um, not Cenobite, the... The Midian guy from um, Nightbreed. It's like I, I mean, it's like Van Damme is the Predator. <laughs> but what about the uh, the Soska sisters? They're Soska twins? sisters, absolutely. Um, they're good fun. The Spirit Brothers, I think they're twins. Yeah, right. And the Pang Brothers, who did like um, Sam Pang. <laughs> these guys did um, Bangkok Dangerous, both the original and the remake. Yeah, right. And uh, the Eye, remember the original Eye. And the Hughes brothers, of that course. That was an interesting one. That, I remember that, that um, Ashley Judd and... Is it that one? I don't... I've Ashley never Judd seen the American one. I've never seen the American one. I don't... The Eye, I mean. The Eye. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen the American one. Only the original was Asian one. There's, there's, there is a movie. It's a 90s movie with Ashley Judd and, and Ewan McGregor. And it came out the thing that how like That's Ewan not, McGregor yeah. was a... He's like a great guy. Yeah. And you when you work on a movie with him, it's like your best friends. And yeah. like... But the minute that movie's over, it's like you, he kind of disappears and you that never hear from him again until you work on a film with him again. Yeah, right. That wasn't Nightwatch, was it? No, it was no. the... No. It was... Uh, it, they shot it... I'm pretty sure they shot it here. Okay. Because the, the eye I'm talking about came much later then. If eye of the Beholder. Oh, yeah, of course. And that was directed yeah. by, um, uh, I think, Stephen Elliott, who did Priscilla. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Nice tie in there, Ben. Thank you. And yeah, as I said, the Hughes brothers who did um, Menace to Society and Dead Presidents and From Hell. The Hughleys. The Hughleys. <laughs> Hughley That's DL Hughley. I think we've uh, exhausted the twins yeah, enough. Yeah, all right, we're moving on. Let's just do some bonehead move. stuff. <laughs> Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Now, one of the talents that we've talked about several times on here that none of us have is music. Yeah, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, we just talked about the fact that I fucked up talking about dance sequences and said a wrong song on Clerks 2. It's actually uh, ABCs by the Jackson 5. Yeah, ABC. Chad said it was by No, I just hope Ben does these. In, I just hope Glenn does these in order. I think he should I do them out of order, up, so this makes no sense. you're out your mind. Out your damn mind. So what we're going to do is talk about really talented singers who actually were pretty good actors. Which means they're probably just good performers. No, no, no. We're just doing musicians who've done something with movies. Well, I'm doing a good singer who did yeah. something with movies. I'm going to talk about... There's two. Can I do two? I don't yeah, care. Jerry Reed and Dwight Yoakam. Now, Jerry Reed is not the actor Dwight Yoakam is. Agreed. But Jerry Reed had screen presence. I will go down in hell fighting that Jerry Reed 
had screen presence and was one of the best second bananas of all time in film history. He was a great supporting actor. And Dwight Yoakam is a good actor. Panic Room, Sling Blade, Chad, James, whoever wants to go next. No, no, no. You you name a third one. Oh, of Dwight Yoakam, Red yeah. Rock West. Okay, you win. Good. <laughs> you want me to name a fourth yeah. one? I thought he was hilarious in the fucking Crank movies as yeah. the doctor. He's on awesome. Name a fifth one? I will keep on rolling, bitch. <laughs> uh, James, you go ahead, man. I've got a couple, too. You two. call me out. I've got Burger a couple, boy. too. Though, admittedly, they may not have done as many movies as Dwight Yoakam. I watched it again the other day. I hadn't seen it for a few years. I watched it again. People need to give more props to Alicia Keys in Smoking Aces. She plays uh, one he, of the hit women, does a phenomenal job setting everything up in that movie. I but haven't she seen does that movie barely, in years. I, I, she barely does anything in that movie. And I don't remember it. No, no, she doesn't. I would, give, I would, give, more, I would give more props to Common. It's all the setup in that movie. I tell you, you go back and watch it. It's all the setup that she does while she's doing. Yeah, got to give more credit to that. The other one I have to do, I have to acknowledge because you cannot think about this movie without thinking about her because she stars in it. But of course, she also did the song Tina Turner, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Because Joe, we don't need another hero. I actually do need a hero and I need someone to save me. I'm a pretty, pretty princess, Chad. So uh, I'm going, I went a little different. This is why I corrected Joe because I, we, I was originally doing just musicians who ventured into movies and I want to talk about Bono. As opposed to act as, as the, what did we do that was different than that? Well, cause I'm going to do Bono who didn't actually star in a movie, but he wrote the million dollar hotel. I got it on Blu-ray. You want to watch it? I'm no. watching it now. So really? Yeah, I'll Let be, me know what you think. Jimmy Smith is great. So I'll be honest with you all. The Million Dollar Hotel. Uh, it's one of those rare instances when I when I first watched it, like when it came out in 2000. It's one of those rare instances where I can I couldn't it I could not finish it. I, there's there's only a few movies that I actually have not been able to sit through, and Million Dollar Hotel was on that list. Now, 23 years later, I'm actually finding enjoyment out of it though it's not it's a very flawed film but i can see what bono was trying to do with it along with his writing partner nicholas klein yeah it's a very interesting film it's a very interesting character study on these on these emotionally just uh people emotionally challenged mentally challenged people who are just trying to survive in this hotel on a day-to-day basis so yeah i want to talk about bono and since you guys did too I'll also talk about, even though I can't stand the the, the bastard after being chewed out by him uh, at a con, uh, D. Snyder in Strangeland. <laughs> Actually, got, we were all wrong. He by didn't the way. chew me out, but he got snippy with me. But I'm fine with him. Yeah. Oh, he's a snobby bastard. So yeah, D. Snyder in Strangeland. He 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 his acting in that in that movie as well as the movie itself is a very interesting watch. We were all wrong, by the way. The correct answer was Tom Waits. Tom Waits. Good night, all. And with that, Bonehead Weekly Fun Side. The answer we were looking for, Tom Waits. All right. Well, thank you to the Boneheads. Uh, you can catch those guys in their regular full-size podcast, the Bonehead Weekly Podcast, everywhere you get podcasts from. They um, that That's not related to twin uh, twin theme whatsoever this week. Uh, we did try to get them to theme this uh, this week, but uh, I didn't give them enough time to record something. Because uh, like we said at the start of the show, 
this episode came together rather quickly at the last minute, so, so, yeah. as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's a very long episode, so we should push on. We've got recommendations left to do. I'm going to keep mine short and sweet. Nice. And I am sticking to themes, so this is a 2009 film called Leaves of Grass, directed by Tim Blake Nelson, starring Edward Norton as twin brothers. It is a fantastic movie. It's comic, comical, but it's also very dramatic, and it's about... One twin brother has left their small Oklahoma town and um, become a celebrated university professor, and the other one's become like a redneck hydroponic marijuana grower. So polar opposite, these brothers. Right. Um, but now it's legal, not so much. Yeah, but the, but the thing is, the, the pot grower is the smarter one. So yeah. he's, he's actually a genius when it comes to hydroponics. He knows the science. He's got this groundbreaking sort of setup in the middle of the woods. Um, however, the, the redneck needs to murder the crime boss that has something over him while he owes him a lot of money. So he tries to lure his other twin, or his twin, back so he can stand in as him while he goes off and does his murder. So he's got a perfect alibi. Right. And it's a really complicated kind of Coen Brothers-esque kind of story. Best thing about this, though, is that Richard Dreyfuss plays the um, the crime boss. And it is the best I've seen Richard Dreyfuss in his you know latter years, yeah, he is so phenomenally good in this, and he's worth it just for the movie's worth of him alone. Yeah, right. So check it out. It also does have um, Kerry Russell's in it. She plays a love interest to the professor. Long, long hair, short hair, long hair, and Melanie Linsky's in it as uh, the the rednecks missus who's pregnant. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, look, I've got a thing for her. Like, I've got a mad, mad crush on her. I don't know why. I just she does you, you love heavenly creatures. She does. Oh, I do. She's not that great in Live of the Creatures, though. She kind of went to Hollywood and, and got her looks, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, anyway, I just highly recommend it. The weird thing about it, though, I'm watching it, and the professor has this situation going on where there's a student obsessed with him and she's trying to seduce him, right? Yeah. And I kept looking at this girl going, why do I know you? You look so familiar. I can't pin it. And then as the credits roll, turns out it's Danny DeVito's daughter and she looks just like Danny DeVito. <laughs> Which well, makes it extra disturbing. I mean, look, I, let's be honest. You got a thing for Danny DeVito? No, well, I'd rather I'd rather my daughter look like Danny DeVito than Rhea Perlman. <laughs> so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Rhea Perlman. She hasn't slid out of a couch naked. No. No. <laughs> anyway, yeah, there we go. That's my recommendation. Leaves of Grass. Check it out. It's actually really good. <laughs> I like Tim Blake Nelson as a director. I think he's quite talented. He's he's good. Yeah. I like him as an actor too. <laughs> Absolutely. And he's in it, so there you go. Well, look, we talked about it in Jarrett's segment. <laughs> I'm going to talk about it now. Twin Sisters right. from 1992, uh, starring Stephanie Kramer, a.k.a. The Brass Cupcake from Hunter. It's a very original title. It Like back in 92, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got this story. It's about Twin Sisters. What are we going to call it? Yeah. <laughs> it's Twin Sisters. Genius. This is a, it is actually, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's like a, a thriller, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Frederick Forrest is in it. I love him. He's great. He plays a cop. Um, James Brolin is her husband. One of her husbands. Yep. And surprise, surprise, I didn't know it while going in. Lawrence Dane is in it playing the villain of the film. Lawrence Dane also happens to have directed my all-time favorite film, Heavenly Bodies. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, basically this movie is... So Stephanie Kramer... uh, She's twins, and mm-hmm. like her, when they were when they were kids, her par- their parents, her and her sister's parents, got divorced. One went with the mother, and the other to Canada. Yeah, 
and the other one stayed in the US with the father. The father a is a lovely guy. Double impact situation, sort of. Yeah, the mother is a nightmare. Yeah, they drifted apart, and the one with the mother Parent always trip. blamed. Yeah. She yeah. always kind of blamed the other one for everything that was wrong in her life. Yeah, but she kind of gets into this deal with Lawrence Dane. Uh, for like this computer program that helps him embezzle money and ship it to offshore accounts. Mm-hmm. And of course he double crosses her and she kind of narrowly escapes with her life uh, and goes on the run and seemingly gets, you know, is hiding out in this remote cabin and uh, something happens and it, it blows up and she's presumed dead. Yeah. So the, her roommate calls her sister back in America who's married to James Brolin who's like a successful stockbroker yeah. and they're having some troubles in their marriage Sure, but she flies over to Canada to try and at this point she doesn't know she's dead she's just missing Gotcha. so she goes over to Canada to try and find her sister and it kind of then she finds out that her sister's actually like this high price call girl hmm. and uh, then she finds out that the sister's dead Frederick Forrest is the cop who's investigating and he's like you know for now we don't want to let anyone know that she's dead just in case it helps with the case mm-hmm as it turns out. And so then she basically becomes her sister in order to help Frederick Forrest try and catch the killer. And there's, there's lots of kind of awesome twists and turns. It's, it's quite, quite a surprising ending in, t- you know, in terms of uh, as far as those things go, but it was th- thoroughly enjoyable. Sounds all right to Definitely, me. Definitely. Look, at, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but I do have two copies on VHS. So if you do need to see <laughs> it, I can provide you, you with it. You could upload it to YouTube. I could. If <laughs> it's a lot of effort. I've just got to. I would totally do it if I had that dongle, <laughs> but I lent that dongle to someone, and I need to get the dongle back. I've got one. I'll give it to you. Alrighty, that brings us to the end of the show. Excellent. <laughs> really? You're not. You don't want to hang around and just keep talking? Well, I'm, I'm going to hang around and watch a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So go on to our tonight, Monday night. Um, we'll be react- reacting to a trailer. Uh, go to goodmoviemonday.com to find everything else we do, of course. Thank you, Ben. It's been another fun episode. We've really had a nerdgasm on this one. Yeah, it was really good to just uh, to go back to just talking about uh, obscure, <laughs> weird films. Yeah, that's right. That's true. I can't, we actually didn't mention, mm. or was it on the list? We didn't talk about K-19 and Widom and... Uh, I kind of skipped so it because it was, you it was brought on it up. That, yeah, right. Yeah, but that's true. I'm curious. <laughs> I do want to see the rest of that list. Um, what about... I mean, they're probably a few years apart, but Hunt for Red October and Crimson Tide. Yeah. They're twin movies, but I think they're probably separated by five years, maybe. Well, I mean, Crimson Tide, Crimson Tide, and U five seven one, and yeah, I and um, K nineteen. I thought were kind of closer together time wise. Possibly, possibly. Oh, what was the other one? Like Sphere and Abyss. No, no, is it Sphere guy. and Phantoms or something like that? I don't know. There's a there's a, there's a, there's a lot no, there's more. no it was Phantoms and Mimic. We're around the same time. Relic and Mimic. Relic, yeah, yes, right. Yes, absolutely. Jeez, we could do this for hours, Ben, <laughs> yeah. but alas, we must go. I'm going to play a song from Basket Case 3. It is oh, and what about... Uh, <laughs> sorry, what about the Supernova and... Um, uh, what's the one that everyone fucking loves? Um, Event Horizon. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, and Supernova, that's... Jeez, that's a, got a complicated production. That ended up being directed by Francis Ford Coppola, of all people. He finished it. Was it Danny Boyle? No, he did Sunshine, which is the same again. Yeah, right. But um, no, because it was... I can't remember. There was a famous director attached to that one and then um, Supernova, that is. And then uh, Francis Ford Coppola came in and finished it. Finished it. Yeah. Anyway, this song from Basket Case 3 is Personality by Annie Ross. It's a classic. And uh, we'll see you next week, Ben. See you next week. Ciao. Whoa, 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 Diana. Oh, whoa.